that our words would be your words, Father, that our thoughts would be your thoughts. I ask, Father, for now that you would speak to us. Different. Mm. Ah. Right after Zephaniah, I believe. Old Testament, Old Testament, minor prophet. We're going to take a look real quick before I jump into Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at Haggai. Right after Zephaniah, the book of Haggai was preached yesterday by uh, Pastor Raul Reese at the conference that I got to attend. And the first chapter of the book of Haggai, the prophet prophesies to the nation of Israel about the lifestyles that they had. Beginning with verse 1 and chapter 1, it says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You see, a call to begin to build the house of the Lord was put out and set forth for the Israelites. They were more concerned about their own more so than worshiping the Lord. And for me that struck my heart powerfully as right now I, I want to find a house for me and my wife. 
thank the Lord in His grace that He has given us a, a shelter, a room and board at her, her parents' house for the time being. And when I look at the situation logically, logically in the world's point of view, maybe I should have gotten a house before I started putting money into a, a new church building. But then I hear the Lord speak to me, is it time for you to dwell in a paneled house more so than working on the Lord's house, on the Lord's yeah. temple? And I exhort you guys, you are the temple of the Lord. May your temple, the, the body, the mind, the gifts that the Lord has given you, may be used not on yourself, but on the Lord and for the Lord. This is uh, the message that I take back with me for after going to this conference. That the Lord, the Holy Spirit, needs to do the work. That we ourselves can't do it. That Jesus himself was filled by the Holy Spirit, empowered. And he gives us that model to follow after him. There's going to come a lot of trials and whenever the Lord calls you to, to go do a work for him. Trials and and burdens and, and suffering. And it is in our nature to say, Lord, I don't accept the suffering. Just give me the blessings. But please keep the sufferings away from me. But it is in the suffering that the Lord does his work in your life. So this is where we are. In a world, a, a fallen world of trials and of tribulations. I'll share it with you guys this morning. It says that not only that, but we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the work, the trial that we are enduring, the Lord is doing a work through it. He's preparing you. I titled my study today from Luke chapter 8, if you guys will turn your Bibles there. Jesus conquers your demons. We are continuing through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the life, the ministry, the miracles of Jesus. Previously, we, we watched as Jesus, he, he taught on the soils, on the different hearts that we can have being listeners during a, a Bible study. There's times when the word is going out and much of the word is, is missed and the Satan comes and he just takes that word away because we are hardened, our hearts. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes the cares of life, they entangle us so that the word doesn't get implanted or it's growing up with the cares of life so it gets choked out, the word does. And Jesus was teaching on this, telling his disciples that those who listen and obey will be likened unto that man who built his house upon the rock. And when the storm came, 
that rock stood and the house stood. Jesus gives his disciples this message and then he says, get in this boat, we're going across the sea. And the first thing that happens, the storm comes. Jesus is asleep, resting in his father's presence. And the disciples are like, Jesus, don't you care? We're dying. The, the waves are coming into the boat. And he was like, why are you guys waking me up right now? <laughs> he says to the wind and, the, and then the storms and the sea, he says, be calm. And then suddenly peace on the sea there in Galilee. No more storm. And the disciples marvel at him. And they're afraid now. Who is this man that even the wind and the seas obey him? Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. Where is your faith? He just told them how they were going to be tested. He told them that they needed to stand firm on the rock that was Christ. He was there with them in the boat. He said, we're going to go across to the other side. And they thought they were going to die after Jesus told them they were going to go across to the other side. And now they're seeing this man is the God-man. This is the Savior. And the trials don't stop there. Once the, the sea is now calm, we're going to take a look at, at what happens right when they hit the land. So beginning with verse 26 in Luke chapter 8, it says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stopped, stepped out on the land, there met him, a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time and he wore no clothes nor did he live in a house but in the tombs you see Gadara of the Gadarenes is southeast of the Sea of Galilee I got to visit this place once with me and my buddy uh, Nick Hernandez and we tried to run up the hills we see these caves and we thought maybe we would see the place where this demoniac was hiding where he ran out of and we got tired and said okay that's enough <laughs> we didn't find anything but remember Jesus just came from a storm at sea with his disciples and he himself commanded the sea to be still and it obeyed him Jesus was able to do this because he was born of the Spirit he was filled with the Spirit he was driven by the Spirit and is working by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said himself, I can of myself do nothing because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. That is Jesus, a person of the Trinity, the God-man saying, I can of myself do nothing Yet Jesus was able to calm the storms in the power of the Spirit. See, this is a model that in our own strength, we can do nothing. To Zechariah, the prophet said, Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's not in our own strength that we can conquer, that we can have victory over the flesh, over this world. It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only can we be full of the Spirit, but we can also be full of ourselves. Lost in our own flesh and sin, 
But here we have a man who took it a step further. He wasn't just full of himself. He had a legion of demons in his body. For a long time, it said that he was naked without shelter and he lived among the dead in the tombs. You guys know the medical term for a person who is presently unable to provide for that person's basic needs for food, for clothing, or shelter because of a mental health disorder? It's an actual literal term. It's gravely disabled. And I'm looking at this, wow, gravely. This man is there amongst the graves. See, sometimes mental unhealthiness is that very thing. It's spiritual oppression, spiritual possession. Now, we take a lot of effort to keep ourselves healthy-minded. I hope we take effort to keep ourselves physically healthy too, but I know I brought donuts for everyone today, so shame on me. But for our minds, we, we make time for resting. We make time for eating, for social interaction, for hobbies, and for those fulfilling things in our life. To be sane, but what about our spiritual health? Do we take time to be spiritually strong in our reading, our prayers, our fellowship? Perhaps we've never been like this man who was demon-possessed, living amongst the tombs, naked and without shelter. Perhaps we've never been that way. But are we naked spiritually? Do we clothe ourselves with the armor of God every day? Are we finding our, our shelter in Christ, in His Word and in His church? Or is our strength from other things, on sand that is sinking? Do we find our hearts and mind among the things that are of death, where the old man was buried with sin and the flesh? The demoniac lived this way for a long time. When he saw Jesus, it says in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. I'll be honest, last night when I read that, I was like, kind of like, ooh, got the chills. This legion of demons speaking through a man. But notice in this verse the power of Christ over demons. This demoniac is compelled to fall before Jesus and proclaim his position and authority. This is a reminder that Jesus is all-powerful even over the powers of darkness. So we don't need to fear as believers when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing else can take that place. So we cannot be possessed by a demon. Last night I made a fool of myself right after reading this text on the demoniac. 
Lisette was uh, upstairs, and I, I turned off the light, and I ran crawling up the stairs and made a blah, 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 sound <laughs> and scared her to the point where she got really afraid and afterwards I felt so bad I, I, I felt terrible I said you know what I, I'm not gonna scare you that hard that deep anymore that was that wasn't that was wrong of me and uh, but you know what we don't need to be afraid over the demons I would exhort her to the next time shouted Jesus's name <laughs> Uh, and then <coughs> Jesus will give it to me. <laughs> we don't need to be afraid. This is the truth in our lives. Fear is from the enemy. Amen. The Bible teaches us that fear brings torment. But God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That his perfect love is casting out fear. Notice even the demons, they tremble at Jesus, at who he is. Yesterday, Garrett Beeler taught at this conference that I attended. And he said something that I'm going to quote to you, loosely paraphrase. He said, if you're doing the work of the Lord, it's not about who knows you there or who recognizes your ministry Satan knows who you are, and he is threatened by you. You guys remember the, the sons of, of Sceva? There were seven of them who started to hear during the time of the Acts how the disciples were going and doing miracles and casting out demons. So they thought, hey, we could do that. So in their own strength, they went out, and there was this guy who was demon-possessed. And they came to him, and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we command you to get out. And the demon turned around and looked at them and said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And he caused them to run out of there half naked. You see, we need to know God. We need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. Notice the title here in verse 28 that Jesus has. Son of the Most High God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is that part of the Trinity. He is also God. In John chapter 1, it explains this a little bit. You guys know some of this. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, according to the Word, Jesus was not only conceived by the Spirit with Mary, he was also filled by the Spirit when he was given a body. And Jesus, the Son of the Most High, offered that body right back to God as a sacrifice. This is the God-man that we find here confronting this legion of demons. 
In Matthew's Gospel, who records the same account, he writes that the possessed man asks Jesus, Have you come here to torment us before the time? Referring to that day of judgment, when God will cast the demons into the place that was created for them, hell. See, hell wasn't created for mankind, it was created for Satan and his demons. But we choose, as human beings, whether we're going to serve God and accept his salvation or deny him and face hell. Look at verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of that man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. See, Jesus saw. He knew the torture that this man had been enduring at the grips of these demons. They chained him, these people. The people there in, in Gadara. They put chains on him because they were afraid of him. Like an animal, they sought to keep him immobile, not only for their own protection, but for his also. In Mark's gospel, you find out how severe this possession was. In Mark 5, 5, it says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. You see, cutting, it was practiced by the pagans, and demonic worship. Today the youth uses this same practice to fill pain in a form of self-hate. For them, sometimes it even turns into this social acceptance amongst the youth. It's celebrated. And they're hurting and they need Jesus. Notice that we have this peace, this truth, this gospel of peace to give. May we share it. I'm more concerned that the gospel goes forth more so than a vaccine right now. I'm not saying that I'm against vaccines. I'm saying I take priority in the salvation of people even more so over their health. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So may we find ourselves sharing the truth of the gospel. We're concerned with not spreading disease by, by wearing masks, and that's good. But how about giving people the cure to, to sin and death and hell? about giving people what is going to last for eternity not what is temporary this life will soon be passed and only what you do for Christ will last when we look at this demoniac we notice that he had supernatural strength <clears throat> in order to break his chains and these demons they would drive him into the wilderness 
You see, we recognize that not only does the Holy Spirit drive men into the wilderness as the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, but Satan will also attempt to drive people into the wilderness for his own purpose. So I ask you this morning, who is driving you? What's driving you? Is it Satan? The demons? Is it yourself? Your own sinful nature? Or is it the Holy Spirit? See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. Perhaps you find yourself in the midst of a trial that you have brought upon yourself. I exhort you to repent and turn to the Lord. Maybe you find yourself driven into a place by the enemy, a place where you shouldn't be. And my exhortation is the same, repent and turn to the Lord. Whether you find yourself on the mountaintop or in the valley, whether you find yourself in the temple or on the sound of music. <laughs> it's okay. Whether you find yourself in the temple or in the wilderness, is it the Spirit who drove you there? Or is it yourself? We need to come to that place in life where we say, Jesus, I give you control. And if you are in a place where you shouldn't be, again, repent and turn to the Lord. In verse 30, Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. Now, in, in the Roman culture, a legion was known to be an army of thousands, and sometimes many more. Jesus gave a description of how demons operate. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 through 46, Jesus said, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. You see, this is why when someone has been set free from the bondage of Satan, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit lest they fall back into some worse thing. I fear turning away from the Lord. And I feared it since I became saved. I remember uh, as a new believer, I went to Texas to go work out at In-N-Out Burger as a trainer. And it was my first experience kind of being on my own as a new believer. And all the temptations of the, the world of the enemy came flying at me. And I remember talking to my mom about this. And I remember she was worried 
not not to a terrible point, but concern, uh, a motherly concern. And I let her know that this conversion was true and that I feared what would happen to me if I went back to my sin. I was afraid because I knew what the Lord had delivered me from and what he had to do to, to chasten me to get me back to him. I said, I don't want to go through any worse chastening than I've experienced already. May we fear the Lord. The psalm says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In verse 31, And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. These demons, they're saying, Don't send us, Jesus, into the abyss. A term for the pit, the hell. You guys know when you study the word that there are four terms, four compartments mentioned in the Bible for hell. There is the general term, the Greek word being Hades and the Hebrew word Sheol simply means hell. It's a general term for the flames of hell that is in the center of the earth Jesus spoke about. But there's another portion of hell that is talked about and that is called the abuso. And that is a, a, a shaft that will open up in the end times which demons will come out to torment men. The abuso. The third term, the third place of hell that is mentioned in the Word of God is known as Tartarus. And this is the pit that is being referred to here. The pit where these demons God has chained down there now to this day, waiting the day of judgment when He will release them upon man during the Great Tribulation. That is Tartarus. And there is a fourth term for hell, known as Gehenna. Gehenna means outer darkness. You see, because when the Lord, when Jesus finally has that great victory over Satan and his demons and evil, he will justly right all the wrongs of this world, and he will take Satan and all of his demons, all of hell, the non-believers and he will take hell and he will cast it into the lake of a fire for eternity that is outer darkness but you see with this with that heaviness that heavy truth when I look at my God I see God though I live in a world full of so many wrongs and we want justice we want this freedom now and we want people who are evil to be to be punished and we say God when are you going to respond when are you going to enact and bring your truth your justice it's not on our timing God will bring that reign of peace and he will do away with evil for eternity and those who are his children who believe in him will have a life of 
peace, without sorrow, without pain, without sickness, without sin, for eternity. And Jesus will be our comforter there in heaven. In verse 32, Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. So the demons, they, they say, Jesus, let us go into all these, these herd of pigs over here. Let us go into them instead. Don't cast us into the abuso. And as they went into those demons, then they suddenly go running down the hill and, and commit suicide. <laughs> this is our first case of deviled ham. Now leaving the man and entering the, the pigs and then having the pigs die, the demons then are free to roam the earth. But it is not their judgment time yet. In verse 34, let's read on. When those who fed them saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. See, no longer is this man of the gatherings breaking chains. No longer is he naked, cutting himself and scaring and causing havoc. But the man is clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. You see, Jesus has the ability to do that in a person. When you look at those people who have a terrible countenance, those who are far from the Lord, who have darkness and depression on their face, when the Lord gets a hold of their life, suddenly when you see them again and they're full of the Holy Spirit, their countenance is changed. There's a brightness to their face. I must have looked something terrible before because I remember when I got saved there was this guy I ran into and he was like, bro, your countenance and I didn't know what that even meant. I was like, what is that? He's <laughs> like, you, you look like like the Lord, it, you look different. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, sober-minded, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour you see maybe that demon that that plagues you is something that causes you to to lose your sobriety maybe it's alcohol maybe it's your emotions even your emotions can cause you to lose track of what is reality may you ask the Lord to drive that away. The Bible says, how do we defeat Satan? Submit to God, resist the devil, 
and he will flee. In verse 36, They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the gatherings asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. They were afraid at this point not because of something good. They were afraid because they realized Jesus was holy and they were wicked. You see, the reason why they want Jesus to leave is they were farming pigs when they weren't supposed to be. Ceremonially unclean. And they had a, this business that they were doing. It wasn't a, according to their ceremonial laws. And Jesus just took all their capital of all those pigs and he set them loose. In verse 38, Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. See, notice how Jesus, in these last few verses, he doesn't grant this man the prayer of saying, let me stay with you, Jesus. He tells him, no, I want you to stay here and preach the gospel to your friends and family, to the people of the gatherings. This is the opposite of what he told, what he did with the wicked people who told him, please leave. He said, okay, I'll grant that prayer. And sometimes God does grant those prayers that people are saying and begging for that they shouldn't have. And sometimes God says no to us for the things that we think we need. Now here in this account, we have a man who had many demons inside of him. He was set free by Christ. See, perhaps you carry yourself some demons around. Some demons have been plaguing you. Maybe it's a, a literal spiritual attack, spiritual warfare that you're going through. But maybe your demons are of a memory of how someone once hurt you. Maybe you are plagued by some sexual immorality that was done against you. Perhaps the demons of the vices of this world are pulling you away from the Lord and we want to be free from. Those feelings that haunt you, telling you that you're not good enough, the anger and the bitterness and the hate that plagues us. See, this is demonic, the origin. Whether or not you have a literal demon assigned to you, the origin of it, satanic. I have no self-help programs for you guys this morning. There's no 12-step plan that I have for you. Only one simple step 
And that step is surrendering to our Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, there are things in my life that overnight, when I became a, a believer, the Lord just took from me. Sin. That was just set free from. Those bonds, those chains. And there were other sins that the Lord allowed me to try to fight against, to struggle, to desire Him more than anything. And your walk, it's a consistent growth. See, we're not sinless, but as believers and as we grow, we do sin less. The point is to never give up. The point is to always strive after Christ and allow Him every day to be your Lord and Savior. So I'll end with this quote in regards to this chapter from Charles Spurgeon, a theologian and a pastor of the past. It says, There are some people who could tell you a story very like this man's, a story of slavery to Satan and deliverance by the power of Christ. If you can tell such a story, do not keep it to yourself. If Jesus has done great things for thee, be ever ready to speak of it, till all men shall know what Christ can do. I think that great sinners who have been saved are specially called upon to publish the good news, the gospel of the grace of God. If you have been valiant against the truth, be valiant for the truth. If you were not lukewarm when you served Satan, be not lukewarm now that you have come to serve Christ. There are some of us here who might bear the name of the man that was born blind, or the leper that was healed, or the woman that was a sinner. And I hope that we shall all be willing to take any name or any title that will glorify Christ. You see, one of the studies that convicted me yesterday, I always teach on the foundation of a believer, what they need to focus on as reading your Bible, number one, as praying, number two, as going to church, going, attending a Bible teaching church. And fourthly, I'll, I'll usually say, say fellowship. But I was exhorted that the fourth pillar should be sharing your faith. Not that you remove the fellowship, but the fellowship is there in the church. But we need to share our faith. And as you share your faith, it solidifies the lessons that God has been showing you. See, Jesus told this man who was once full of the legions, he said, stay here and share what Jesus has done for you. You see, if God has delivered you from something, share the power of Christ that he can do that in another person's life. I think that is the exhortation of our study. 
we recognize that Jesus has already won the battle. He is victorious over the enemy already. We are more than conquerors through Christ. So may we walk in that grace this week. May we walk in His Spirit being filled by Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, to thank you for your love, your grace. I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts, fill our minds. This morning there are demons that you need to be rid of. That's you this morning. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. I see you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that in the name of Jesus that you would cast out the sin, the demonic oppression, cast out the, the, the fear and the, and the anxiety and the worry in the lives of your children and replace it, Father, with a desire to worship you Replace it, Lord, with the fruits of your Spirit. We thank you for setting us free. And we love you and we want to worship you. Prepare us, Father, for this, this move. Bring your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.
Glendora.